editor, former online and managing editor, and host of Talk That Talk, award-winning journalist Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. It is 12 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. It's a little bit different today, but welcome to technically your Thursday installment of the Talk That Talk radio show. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson, in studio with my guy, Matthew Raftery. Matt, what's going on, man? Hey, much. It's a rare game day episode. Dog, I love this day. Like, I'm, I was actually wake. I woke up this morning and I was getting ready and I was like, you know what? Like... I like this slot. Like we we talked about it before. We want to obviously stay consistent, but the 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 fluidity in which this media company runs, it allows us the the flexibility to kind of move it around as we see fit. And with so much basketball happening through the week, that's actually where we're. It's not where we're gonna start, right? But that's probably where our longest conversation is gonna take place, considering we have so much to break down and to get into. But if you're a if you're a fall classic lover out there, we have to start with baseball, right? That's the only thing that makes sense today. That's exactly what we're gonna do. But uh, to be honest with you, I'm in one of those moods right now to where I woke up this morning and sometimes I hate rescheduling. You know it. I hate rescheduling, but sometimes I try to take advantage of different time slots and things of that nature, right? So, anywho, um, I, I decide to go ahead and say. Ah, what the hell? Let's let's go ahead and do it. Uh, I made that decision kind of last minute last night. It was about six o'clock, and I was like, "We we had already talked about it." But in my mind, I was like, "I don't want to just be sitting at home if I could be doing a show." But I'm happy I did for a couple of different reasons, right? A couple of oh, our game went into overtime that we'll get to. We'll probably end the show with that. But there there's there's reasons why we do certain stuff like this and. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm happy that we did this one because I feel like we're in a prime spot on this Friday morning. Uh, well, Friday afternoon at this present moment. But if you guys are joining us on Facebook Live, we appreciate you guys so much. Again, if you guys would like to do so, you guys can find us at Talk That Talk Radio Show. You guys can pretty much type that in anywhere. Talk That Talk Radio Show, you guys can type it in on Instagram, Facebook, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You guys, anywhere that you guys essentially want to look for the pod or for the radio show, you can. And the only place that would be different would be our Twitter. It is at Talk That Talk LV. Um, we're probably going to be, and I said this before, but we're probably going to be moving from this uh, platform on Facebook. We've been doing this for a while. Just to, as I've said before, guys, we're we're doing a lot of numbers. We're, we're getting a lot of numbers. Uh, by the way, Matt, this is live on air right now, and there's a reason why I'm telling you this. Um, I don't know the last time I checked the Facebook numbers because I'm not gonna lie, they weren't. Uh, we, we've done Twitch, we've done Instagram, we've done just a couple of different things. So we're comparing the numbers. So at first when Facebook started, we were like, mm, okay, we don't really know where this is going. I took a look at those numbers this morning. I'm going to leave it at that, Matt. I had to show, I had to show it to somebody to make sure that I wasn't tripping. We'll talk after the show. Um, but there's a lot to obviously talk about. There's a lot to get to. Um, I want to start with my mom's tip in. My mom's tip in was pretty, was pretty cool. I don't know if she sent me this. I think she sent me this earlier this week. Uh, but I like this one. Sometimes you don't realize the weight of something you've been carrying until you feel the weight of its release. Sometimes you don't realize the weight of something you've been carrying 
until you feel the weight of its release. This is going to be a fun show. Remember how I said, was that Monday or was it last Thursday that I told you I was in one of those moods? Oh, it was last Thursday. I'm in another one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little mad that you shook your head because you know where this is going. But let's get to it, man. Let's talk about some Oakland Athletic Baseball. It's over, right? <laughs> Relax. Uh, <laughs> well, the postseason started today. So, yes, for the athletics, the season is over. That's actually where we're going to start. Uh, only reason why is because, as you just said, the season's over. So we are getting into, uh, what's the word? Um reflecting time right and the season just ended two days ago and at this present moment it's it's already reflection time only because a lot of that reflecting began on the final day of the season for Oakland I actually want to start with Steven Vogt but before we do that let's go ahead and highlight what the team did as a whole the team swept the Angels to close the year to end the year on a four-game win streak I don't know if I'm happy or sad oh you're definitely happy Can I be happy and disgusted at the same time? Why are you disgusted? Because the Angels finished 33 games out of first place. I thought we weren't talking about the Angels anymore. You're right. To be happy. This is about to to drive me up a wall, bro. I can't do it. I got to give him him like 30 seconds. You have Mike Trout (laughs) and Shohei Otani. I told you guys this before. My dad reached out and was like, oh, my God, you guys got Anthony Redone. That's a big move. Third base should be sewn up. I said, fam, do we have anybody to throw the – do we have any – I almost said throw the football. Do we, have any, do we have anybody to throw the baseball? No? Well, until we until we figure that out, don't talk to me. Our payroll is just high as hell. We go get Noah Syndergaard. We give him away for peanuts. Like, fam, I don't, I don't know. Baseball is – why did I start here? Because of the athletic sweeping the angels. Oh, this is going to be. I don't want to say a bad show. This is going to be one of those shows. But whew, off of the angels, um, going back to Oakland, we talked about it before, right? This team hasn't had very many things to cheer for this season. Let's be honest. Um, you want to highlight a couple of the, 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 high, the high points of the season? I have. Do you have any high point of the season? fact that it's over does that count no it doesn't okay. that's after the season technically i think oh uh, uh so first of all ending the year on a four game lose or four, well, four game winning streak has to be a, a, a good feeling for a franchise that let's be honest didn't look like it had direction at several points throughout the year right so they they, they win four games in the year uh all four of which came against divisional opponents i think that's kind of important one of which being against seattle we understand the streak that they ended earlier in the year seattle had and and i believe it was like a 13 game win streak in the coliseum that's kind of baffling but to to get that monkey off of their back right we talked about it before too i think several high points i, I think they also came with several low points but it goes back to your point empty in the cupboard I think they did a lot of that this year. I mean, shout out to Nate Mondu for getting a call up pretty late in the year, but you you kind of saw my reaction on Twitter. I was a little more geeked for Nate than a lot of other people because uh, Nate's a hard worker. Nate is one of those uh, blue-collar guys. He brings his pill to, to work every day, and, and he goes to work, and it's literally that for him. So to see him get that opportunity, no matter how late it was in the year, was a big deal for me. I'm sure him and his family. But um, I think – 
let's be honest. We talked about Colin Wallace, right, and how great he was in minor league baseball. Um, went up to the to the show, got his got his calling, and first couple showings was not it. I think he would tell you the first couple showings was not it, and they were able to have the flexibility to. In terms of these arms, I feel like they were they allowed them to make mistakes without throwing them back to the minor league system. Can't necessarily say the same thing for hitters. <laughs> if you had two bad games at the big league level, I, even if they're not back to back, you gotta go, fam. Like you, you gotta go. The thing was, a lot of these players that from AAA that were getting called up initially, they weren't playing every day, so they would go up, they would play a Monday and. They would, they would play a Thursday, and let's say that they go 0 for 6 in that, in that uh, time span. Let's say 0 for 8 if they got a pinch hit situation. They're gone. I'm like, man, they just got there. Like, they're trying to figure it out. Obviously, you know, certain players, when they get caught up, they're not coming back. We knew what happened when Shay Langelier's phone rang. Oh, Shay's not coming back. <laughs> like, we understand what that is. Sky Boat came back at one point toward the end of the year. I believe it may have been late August. When he came back, oh, they're just they're literally seeing what they have because there's no reason why Sky would be back with AAA. He had one stint early in the year when the team was contending for something, and it was a rehab stint. So you kind of understand where Sky Bolt falls on the hierarchy with the Oakland Athletic or Oakland Athletics organization. Uh, even when he did, when he was designated for assignment, the Giants snatched him quickly. So the moment that the Giants let him go, what did the Athletics do? Give him back. Thank you. So, I, again, I, I think they had several roller coaster moments with these guys that they were bringing up from AAA. I do think that they have at least some type of meat to chew on in the offseason heading into the new year. Do I think we get another one of these seasons next year? It's got to be a little bit better, right? Define a little bit. You got to improve by at least one win to be better. I like that. I like that thought. Because I was going to give you an over-under of five, plus five to whatever this win total is that you haven't seen yet. I'm going to give them plus five. I'm going to give them plus five. I don't know if I would even go plus six. But let me tell you why. They got to 60 wins, man. The Oakland Athletics got to 60 wins. That has to mean something, right? You thought this team was going to be the worst in baseball. I'm here to tell you right now that they are not the worst team in baseball. They're almost the worst team in baseball, though. Touche. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, they can get to sixty-five next year. I think that's a good number for them. Um, what do the Angels get to? Never mind. Um, so they're sixty. They're sixty and one hundred and two. They're obviously last in the AOS. But I want to give you the rest of these numbers around here. Detroit said, "Get thee behind me." These bad teams, and they they ended up getting up to sixty-six wins. KC kind of did the same thing. They're about sixty-five. Let's talk about this team that I thought was going to be the worst in baseball. I don't know if you guys are ready to sign it at home, but I'm ready to get I'm ready to kind of get it done now. Um, you could be my first signature. Save Joey Votto. I've been preaching that all year long, uh, to the point to where I kind of forgot about it. So maybe I need to sign it first. But anyway, uh exact same record as the Pittsburgh Pirates, 62 and hundred. So two games better than Oakland. You know the one team worse than Oakland. The Washington Nationals turned in 55 wins this year. They went 55 and 107. 
It's your worst team in baseball right there, man. Who has a better direction right now, Oakland or Washington? Oakland. I at least know what Oakland's plan somewhat looks like. I'm not sure what Washington's plan is. If you wanted to give – this is I love you. I love you guys. I love you guys in the Oakland organization. I don't want this to sound like I'm joking, but if you had to put a percentage on this, what's your percentage in conf, of confidence in Oakland being – and Oakland having a guaranteed better direction, better direction than Washington. Ninety percent. So if you take ninety percent away from the total package, which is a hundred percent, what's left? Ten percent. That's where I was about at. The only reason why is base. I tell you all the time, baseball has parity. I'm in this organization, right? Not deep in it, but you guys get the point. I'm in the organization. They've told me that this year, it may be a couple of these. They've told me that. I don't know. I don't know what they're talking about over in Washington. I don't know that they don't see something over there in their minor league system. I know that they stripped theirs down here in Oakland. How many of those guys that got big league chances this year are going to probably... Not only start the year in AAA, but play the first three months in AAA. You don't have to necessarily answer it. You can if you want to. Not many. Okay. So, I think that it may be more than we think. But even with the guys that stay at that big league level, you're going to have to live with the mistakes. It's just going to happen. I can't really speak so much for Aaron Hicks in center field for the Yankees. However, and I don't want to butcher the name, IKF, uh, the shortstop from the Yankees. <laughs> I try to use the word stink in, 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 in terms of sports. He has stunk in moments. He's just – and what I mean, too – it's fielding. It's been not being able to make the play at shortstop. You are wearing pinstripes. If there is one position on the field that you can't make mistakes, it's there. And he made a lot of them. The Yankees lived with a lot of them. I just hope Oakland's ready to do the same thing. All right. Let's talk about some good baseball. You ready? All right, let's talk about some MLB postseason. Uh, let's let's talk about the fact that this new system, or format, rather. Do you like the format? Remind me again what the format is. So you, now you have you don't have just a wild card game anymore. I, this mic is going to frustrate me. <laughs> um, you don't have uh, a wild card game anymore. So now you have two wild card series. Oh, yeah. So you have a wild card round. I definitely like that. So I'm a fan of it because of more baseball, right? However... You're gonna get, and this is probably the biggest reason of why I'm a bigger, big, uh, the biggest fan of it. I may shock some people, and this is where I bring race in a little bit. It's fine with me, but especially being a black guy, people are kind of shocked when they find out that football is like my third favorite sport. Basketball is absolutely number one, but baseball is number two. And the reason why baseball 
is that for me? I need to actually freshen up on it. But I love chess. And I understand football. And I've argued with football guys all the time, too. I think baseball in the postseason is the ultimate chess match. And I don't think anything beats that, in my personal opinion. So I think it's more opportunities to make mistakes, but it's more opportunities to put guys in weird situations. Like I said before, I remember working for Dodgers Nation and covering a Clayton Kershaw start, and then four days later, I'm covering Clayton Kershaw coming out in the bottom of the ninth to shut the to not only shut the inning, shut the series down. Like these are these are moments that I remember watching Dave Roberts, and whether the the Dodgers won or lost. We're looking at Dave Roberts no matter what. And I don't think anything beats that moment. It's, a, it's about to be a month of this, of decision-making. So, I'm, of course, I'm excited about it for a couple of different reasons, but I'm not sure if you're already aware the Cleveland Guardians did get game one against the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't know how many people expected it, but, I mean, Cleveland are uh, Cleveland is the home team, rather. Um, and then right now we have Pittsburgh and St. Louis getting busy. Pittsburgh? Yes, man. I said Pittsburgh? Yeah. Philadelphia. Philadelphia and St. Louis. I said Pittsburgh. I apologize. And it's a Pennsylvania team. I know Philly's like, what? Uh, but Philadelphia and St. Louis are getting busy right now. It's actually the end of the fourth. It was the bottom of the fourth a second ago, but it's the end of the fourth. Tie ball game. Both knotted up at zero. I like the format. I think um it was my biggest gripe with the playoffs going into this year was why the wild card was only one game because I mean, I always looked at it like any team in baseball can have one bad game. It's hard to have a bad series if you're a good team in baseball. But, you know, let's say the Yankees or the the Dodgers got into a wild card situation in years past, they could have a bad game hitting the ball, and that could be their season. Hmm. Whereas now, because it's a best of three, right? Yep. Okay, so it's, it's a little bit of more of a series. It's a shorter series than what they're used to, but... At least you know that, you know, if you have a bad game one, you can bounce back in a game two, um, and who knows what happens in game three, rather than have a bad game one and your season's over. Does it help that, I mean, you, you play these three game sets during the year, so just get two of these. Yeah, and so I, I think we're going to see more of the the better teams in the wild cards prevail out of their series. It's not going to be, oh, this team kind of snuck their way in on a fluke because they got – you know, fairly lucky in a wild card game or they caught a, a fortunate break here and there. I, I think the more consistently good teams are going to come out of the wild card spot and it's going to ultimately make for, I think, better matchups later on down the road. Do you believe that the lower C will win? How often do you believe that the lower C will win? Because I believe you. But does that mean that the lower seed is the better team sometimes? It could be. Um, very well could be that the lower seed sometimes is a better team, but I would put it as probably like a 75-25 split. Like 75% like of the that. time, I think the higher seed's going to take care of business. You'll get the occasional 25% that do have that quote-unquote upset. You think we can win this year? Who? Do you think we get an upset this year? How many wildcard matchups are there? Four. You yes. ready for them? Huh? Yes. So you already know two. Do you think they happen in any of the two that we name or the other two that we haven't named? What's the seeding for Guardians Rays? Or Guardians is it Guardians Rays? Or Guardians Rangers? That's the one that I think. Is Guardians Rays and the Guardians are the higher seed? The Rays are technically the last seed to get into the postseason in the AF. Hmm. Who are the other two matchups? 
that's wrong. The Astros finished with a better record, with the best record in the AL, correct? Yes. So the last team to get in. No, they are the last team because uh, the Guardians won their division. Mm. So that explains it. So they are the last team. That's. Okay. I have a quick question. That means the lowest seed wouldn't play the highest seed into the ALCS or NLCS. Hmm. Because let's say that the Rays beat, uh, unless they're going to do a reseeding, but the way that this bracket is, they're all connected. So the 3-6 matchup would be um, Cleveland and Tampa Bay. If Tampa Bay wins, they're the six. They play the number two, the New York Yankees. They should go to Houston. To play the one, because that's the one versus six. It's like the one versus eight in the, in the NBA. So that's a little different. I'm going to be honest. So that's a little different. Uh, however, we have that matchup as the three six. We do have uh, the four or five between, pardon, we do have the four or five between Seattle and Toronto. Toronto's the higher seed there. Philadelphia is the lower seed. St. Louis is the higher seed. San Diego is the lower seed. The New York Mets are the higher seed. Padres are tempting. I, I, I like uh, San Diego's pitching. That's where I'm at. I don't know if they can string enough hits together. I'm not so sold, though, on the Mets hitting either. I mean, this could be a, a pitching slugfest. I mean, 2-1, 3-2 type of scores are not, I think, out of the question in this series because of, one, where these teams are as far as pitching, but two, where these teams are as far as lack of hitting. Um, these teams are used to winning low-scoring games. Yeah, you know, I'll give it to the Padres. I think the You're Padres. You're already going. Okay. I, the, I was going to ask you, who do you feel like can come out of uh, – remember when Javi Baez went to the Mets and I was like just the 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 timeliness was necessary because they needed the attitude. They kind of needed somebody to chirp back to the fans. So I mean, the fans are not going to stop talking, but they need somebody to go back at them when things are going right. And the Mets started to get a lot of timely hits. Do you – Trust the Padres to get more timely hits than the Mets. Yeah, and I mean the Padres are playing with more pressure on them. I think um, they just went out and acquired um, was it Juan, Juan, Juan Soto. Soto? Yeah, they uh, they acquired Juan Soto this season. They <laughs> that's why Washington looks the way it does. Yeah, uh, well they was probably gonna look that way regardless. But you know, Juan would have gave you at least five more wins. Could have, yeah, maybe. Um, in any case, Sandy, that would have made Oakland the worst team in baseball. <laughs> Yeah, Oakland can – they can thank Washington for that. 100%. Uh, maybe send them like a gift basket or something. I don't know. No, keep all your money. Yeah. Uh, just keep everything you got right now. Just don't don't, don't move. Uh, in any case, San Diego has spent a ton of money over the past handful of years on big contracts. They've right. extended Manny Machado. They've extended, extended Fernando Tatis. They've, I believe, extended um, Juan Soto. And so you have all these guys that you have dropped high dollar amounts on. The fans are probably looking at this going, oh, this better work. And so that's why I I say they have the more pressure on them because the San Diego fans want this to work pretty much right now. I'm not mad at you for that. I think you're absolutely spot on, to be honest with you. I do have just another question to kind of throw out at you. Do you believe that, First of all, I agree. I said I agree. But the reason why is because even with all of this money spent, right, you can't get past the Dodgers. 
And then even when things aren't the Dodgers, right? And I say Dodgers with an apostrophe at the end of that because I'm talking about the division, which is very rare of recent. The Giants took it. So I think, I got to be honest, I think it would be a little easier if you're constantly losing to the Patriots. It's a little easier if you don't win your division, but the Patriots always win it. If you look up and you see that Buffalo wins it, it's like, wait, 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 hold on. So the division was open this year? I didn't know that. So I think that's kind of where the frustration starts to set in. Um, This is random, but I'm going to do this, and I planned on doing this. Um, We're going to – if you're listening to the podcast version of this, it's going to go silent for a second. But if you're watching it live – we're gonna tune into this piss or this Philadelphia, um, this Philadelphia St. Louis game because Bryson Stott was at the plate just now and he. Second out, so Stott hit it hard, but right at the second baseman Donovan. Obviously, with two outs now. They drop the infield back. And Matt Beerling, who's single through the right side of the infield, comes up with two outs and a runner on third. So Bryson Stott actually just grounded out the first base. Uh, runner at third. That would have been the game's first run. It is the top of the fifth. And now it is the middle of the fifth because it's just been a fly, pardon, a fly out. We're still tied at zero. And you talked about it already with this Mets Padres series, right? Whenever we get to baseball, we always talk about it. And I think what's bothering me is the wire. Okay. Because the wires are crossing, and the only way to not make it cross is if the mic is this way. Mm. So it's not, so now I gotta just leave them cross. Anyway, uh, you just talked about it with the Padres Mets series. You expect some low scoring games. Every postseason, I feel like we get low scoring games. That has to be credited to the chess match, right? Yeah, that definitely is. You, your p- managers are pitching their best guys more frequently in the postseason because it's kind of what you you save your your aces for. It's the postseason. That's why maybe you know if you're the Dodgers, you don't send Clayton Kershaw out for a full eight or nine innings of work during the regular season. You may only send him out for five or six because you know that you're gonna probably send him out for. At least eight, but maybe a full nine in the in the postseason if need be, um, given that there's more there's more pressure and there's more um, at stake in the postseason compared to the regular season. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you see guys, uh, especially top guys, pitching more often. Whether they're starting, sometimes they'll come in as a, a closer, uh, just depending on the the situation. So more usage, I think, out of their out of your top guys um, in the postseason would inevitably lead to lower scores. Now, we're going to see wherever it goes, right? I, we're going to be watching, obviously, closely. But uh, as of right now, as I said before, it's, it's a tie ball game. It's, they're not at zero. I'm going to leave this up. So whenever something happens or whenever something possibly can happen, I'm going to go ahead and chime in, and we're going to tune in. Again, if you are listening to the podcast version of this, whether it's on Apple, whether it's on Spotify, first of all, we appreciate you. Um, but second of all, whenever we do uh, hop into those um, live listens, you will not be able to hear it on the podcast version. Um, yeah. Other than that, I guess next topic. We had a lot of basketball in the city uh, this week. 
And gotta say, a lot of storylines. A lot of storylines came out of it. And one of the biggest storylines was what we believe to be the one versus two matchup between Victor Wimbayana, Wimbayama, excuse me, Wimbayama and Scoot Henderson. And Scoot Henderson plays for the G League Ignite while I'm not even going to try to pr- uh, pronounce where they're from. Not even going to lie to you. But Victor Wimbayama plays for the Metropolitan 92s in Paris, 92 in Paris. Now, I watch a lot of people uh, on Twitter talk about uh, – I've seen somebody say, oh, he should have he picked Barcelona – I've seen somebody say, um, to put it nicely, he's going to enjoy playing with better guards next year. Things of that nature. The G League and the Mets 92 split their two preseason matchups. Granted, they're two preseason matchups, right? And we'll get to the second one because Scoot Henderson accidentally played four minutes and 37 seconds in the second one uh, after banging knees with Victor Wimbayama. Uh, But the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because even if those guards were bad, Vic's play was so outstanding that it almost didn't matter. So it this is going to sound crazy because I'm putting them both in the same sentence, but we talk about LeBron, right? And... People looking at, because I've been guilty of it, people looking back at teams and being like, oh, that team wasn't that bad. And then you go back and look at the way that the team produced that year. And you look back and you go, maybe those names aren't bad. But you go back and watch and look at that season or watch the 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 number, look at the numbers or whatever the case may be, and you sit there and you go, damn, maybe Brian was kind of out there. Like, he wasn't necessarily by himself, but maybe Brian didn't have as much help as we believe. Uh, maybe it's the Victor Wimbayama effect in this in this regard. The the team made runs, and of course he was at the heart of those runs. The team made runs. Um, I mean they won the second game, but the team made runs in both games, and in those moments, he had such a control on the game. It's almost like it doesn't matter what's around him. You could almost pick some of these media members and put them out there with him, and he'll be fine. And the reason why I say that is because I watched three straight times down the floor. He came down, and I forgot what he was, uh, who he was guarded by, but he came down, kind of hit him with a dream shake, and he hit the fadeaway. I said, okay, all right, I see what's going on. Came down on the other end, he got the block. Went down on the other end again and cashed the three. <laughs> I said, dog. I said I hate and I and I you, you kind of you know me to uh you've seen me in this field a couple of years now. I've in high school it was different, right? We're covering people in high school. I'm the same age. Now it's a little different as I've gotten older. Summer league was my my first summer league was my first experience. It's like these are grown men, obviously, but these are men who just left college and or whatever the case may be. So a lot of people don't know because I just graduated college a couple years ago, but I'm 27 years old. I'm about to be 28 next month, God willing. So in doing that, I don't care the way I look. I don't care the image that I give off. There's a certain way to handle 
younger players. And I feel like putting certain – that's why I don't discuss Bronny a lot. I feel like putting certain pressures on certain players is just not fair. Like, what were you doing at 18? Like, you know what I mean? And that's the way that I truthfully live life. So, uh, watching those three plays down the floor, I think I wait. And I'm sure a timeout came shortly thereafter that from Jason Hart, G League Ignite head coach. But I took a moment before I tweeted anything. Because I started to say, no, yeah, Vic, no, yeah, he's it. That's the real deal. Somebody asked me if I seen Chet Holmgren play. I said, no, I didn't go to Summer League this year. I was waiting for that person to ask me about Vic. Because, no, he's the one. I'm telling you something. He's going to be a problem for a long time, a very long time. And now let's get to the to the hometown kid. I guess we could say now, right? With the G League Ignite. First of all, let's, 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 let's actually before we even move on, let's get your opinion of Vic. Uh, did you go to to the games at all? I went to the second one. Okay, so what was your impression? Thirty seven in the first one, thirty six in the second one. <laughs> Copy and paste, right? Fam, I. You know what? I had I, I wanted to I wanted to pick on something. He had four rebounds in the first game. Oh, I was gonna rip him. Five blocks though. He had seven threes. It's like it's just certain things that just kind of weigh out. He had ten in the second or eleven in the second one. So only so much I can say about the rebound. Right. Um. Yeah, teams are gonna be tanking for this dude. Teams are for sure gonna be tanking for this dude. Um. This may be the best, purest, raw talent that I have seen in quite some time. Um, Keep in mind, you said raw. Yes, meaning he has. I I think he could develop even more, um, which is hard to say. I mean, given that he's already dropping thirty five plus a game in the G League. Um, this was his, this was his his debut in the states. By the way, he's gonna have a lot more. He's gonna have a lot more. Uh, probably very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, He's going to be so difficult to guard for opposing defenses because he's a 7-4 frame that has the ability to shoot the ball like a guard. That is terrifying for defenses to try and game plan for because typically when you're 7-4, okay, great, you're going to be kind of controlling the paint. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a stretch big that's now 7-4. I mean, we've heard of stretch bigs that are 6-9, 6-10. This dude is six inches taller than the tallest player on the G League. I've looked at it up because I was like, oh, certainly we got to have somebody on the G League <laughs> Ignite that can that, that can guard this guy, right? Oh, no, our, our tallest player is six inches shorter. Yeah, the basket. <laughs> the, basket may, he, the basket may block Vic, and that's about it. Um, honestly, who should tank for him is the Thunder. They're in a perfect spot to do so. They've got a, they already are going to have a high draft pick regardless of what happens. Chet's not playing this year. He's out with injury for the year. You may want to get Chet some help and give this – if they're able to get the number one pick, they should – normally I would be like, well, maybe you shop the number one pick. Not this year. Uh-uh. Use the number one pick to get Vic. I think anybody who gets the number one pick, I don't think there's going to be any phone calls. No. It, it's going to be – I think one and two. Yeah. And then – because the other one's going to be probably Scoot Henderson, barring that he's going to be able to stay healthy and all that. Right. Um. That was a little weird, him going off. Yeah, I was like, that's 
kind of odd did he bang something? I didn't even see what what had happened. But did you ever watch the the footage on um, social media after it went out? I didn't. I'll send it to you. Uh, that's exactly what happened. He banged knees with uh, Vic. Vic, and which is another which is another thing. He's seven four, and he's taking Scoot off the dribble thirty feet from the basket. And Scoot's trying to slide in front of a seven-footer. He banged knees with him. That's exactly what happened. Banged knees. You caught, saw him kind of limp a little bit. And, of course, will we expect it? Entire bench. No, hey, come on. Come over here and talk to us really quick. I looked toward the end of the bench. I saw Scoot. Then I didn't see him. I looked back. I saw Scoot in street clothes. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's not coming back. So Yeah, I mean, it's the preseason. They didn't want to do nothing to him. Wow. Um, and you get another month to rest it. Exactly. Um I find that odd, by the way, that they played the preseason so early compared to where the regular season starts. I completely agree. I mean, I could understand if this was like the third week in October because I think they have a tentative game scheduled for October 30th, although there's no opponent set yet for that game. It is on the schedule. Um, but if if they don't end up playing that game, their first, ho- I think, home opener is November 4th. So you could play it October 23rd or 24th, whatever day you want to decide, as far as having the preseason games, but... Aside from all that, I do think if you, if I'm Sam Presti in the Thunder, much like the Athletics told us very early on, just let the fan base know in advance. We could we have a very good chance to go get this dude. Now, granted, it's the lottery; anything can happen. You could fall to three or four. Like it's happened to it happened to the Knicks a few years ago, where uh, it happens to the Knicks every year. Oh, and Stephen A. reminds us all about it. Him and Spike Lee. No, you know what's funny? Shout out to Joe Budden. Joe Budden says, let's say it's uh, four guaranteed hits in the in the draft. The Knicks get picked five. He said, let's say it's six guaranteed picks. Knicks the Knicks get seven. picked seven. <laughs> like, it, just, it always happens that way. He said he can't remember uh, who went number one overall, but he remembers having an eighth pick, and they took Frank, <laughs> Frank Nittalikina. And the reason why is because he mispronounced it and almost repeated him. But it's, it's Frank Nittalikina, but they took Frank. In the lottery, and I think New York fans—they're obviously over the Chris Stapps thing, right? And that's yeah. the—that's the way I'll tie it back into Victor uh, Wimbayama. But uh, I think that's the one that that sticks with Nick fans the most, because especially after the double down from Phil Jackson, after no, this kid is gonna be, this kid is gonna be what? <laughs> Not on your team is what he is. Uh, the the Knicks must have done something terrible in their franchise history to James Dolan. Y- yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> back to back to G League. Yeah. Uh, no, like I said, if I'm Sam Presti, the tanking starts now. You know who the G League night opened their season against? The uh, Oklahoma City. I think it's Blues. You killed it without the S. Blue, blue, okay. Oklahoma City, blue, just the color. Now, you you brought that up, and I I found something pretty dope. Uh, well, funny rather on Bleacher Report on their Instagram, they tweeted. Um, they put they, they put the picture up, but they tweeted out originally. Uh, what would you give up for Victor Wimbayama? And uh, an OKC fan chimed in and was like, another year of Shay's prime. That's that's a lot. And that's that's one that I did stop at, and oh. I was like, I don't know if he's willing to give it up though, like. I don't know, man. Shay Shay can't be the only positive thing in OKC this year. Can't happen. He probably is going. To, well, maybe Josh Giddy. You're right. Maybe. He's not going to be. No, but outside of those two, probably not much. Not much. But like I said, I mean, if you have a chance to go get Vic and you can tank really hard, I mean, how does Chet look playing a four? Chet still got to bulk up. That's my biggest thing with Chet is like. 
this, this injury probably is actually a blessing in disguise for Chet because now he's got a full year. He doesn't have to worry about playing basketball. He can worry about developing himself. He can worry about putting on a little bit more muscle. He can worry about, um, you know, really, I guess, Chet's not, to me, Chet's never looked fully comfortable in his own skin. So maybe this year is going to allow him to do more of that. And so if you get a little bit more bulked up Chet Holmgren, which if you want a comparison, I think Vic's a more bulked up version of Chet Holmgren because and he probably still needs to bulk up a little bit, a little bit, but only because he's seven five. Yeah, <laughs> but both are stretch bigs. I mean, it, think about it this way: if the Thunder get Vic in the draft, give that team about three years. I'm not mad at that pick, considering everything else around. I mean, remember, remember we talked about trades and like the fact that they have so much, so many assets, things like that. Uh, they didn't pull the trigger on Donovan Mitchell. They didn't pull the trigger on anything on anybody else, right? So. I do think in a weird way, just adding, just dragging and dropping Victor Wimbayama in that situation, I don't know that that three-year plan isn't isn't pretty spot on. What if? Three or less, honestly. I understand it, that it's kind of crazy to bet on a young guy early. Look at John Morant. You know what I mean? I think if that situation was to come together in OKC, if you get a big three of those two big guys between Chet Holmgren and Vic, and then you add a prime Shea, yeah, and then Josh Giddy is your young fella, quote unquote. Come, come on, man. Now I'm not. I haven't looked at the Thunder draft capital off the top of my head. What if they are in a situation to let's say they have one, and whoever you want to throw in there has two. Do you think Sam Prissy makes a pre- a push to get number two as well, and picks up both? You know what's funny. I didn't think about OKC, but I did think about that while watching this 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 week, watching these two games this week. I thought about the possibility of whoever gets one or whoever gets two wanting both. And <clears throat> to be honest with you, I'm a little shocked that I didn't think about OKC because you're probably closer to being spot on than any other team could probably. That for any other team that's probably gonna have the first pick, first five picks, and somewhere in there, you know what I mean. You're you're thinking about the teams that you expect to be. I'm not even thinking about teams that I'm, I'm expecting to be just bad. I'm talking like just middle of the road teams. We've seen that before, right? The D- Detroit did it a couple of years ago. Finished tenth. They got the number one overall pick. So, uh, I, I think if I'm looking at middle of the road teams and teams that kind of, or even bad teams that have the assets to do it. I don't know of another team that has more assets than Oklahoma city. I think Cleveland's interesting, but they just have the young assets. You know what I mean? But if you do something like that, Evan Mobley's gone. Yeah. And they're not moving Evan Mobley. So. Well, Tim, I mean, to me that there's, I guess two ways of thinking. Or Darius Garland in hindsight. Very good point. There's two to me. I think there's two ways of thinking when it comes to all the excess draft capital that Oklahoma City has. Either one, you could package it all together, and like I said, you could try to get the top two picks in the draft. Which at that point, then you're taking probably Vic and Scoot. Shea's the only one that's off the that's off limits. Because obviously, people are calling for Shea. Yeah, Shea's off limits. So that means everybody else would have to go. Not Chet. Chet stays. Lou Dort is gone. Obviously, I, Josh Giddy is probably gone. 
that's a tough one to lose. I might package a lot of picks together, especially if I know they're high value picks. I might say you're getting a lot of picks in return. But if I mean that doesn't sound like this, but if that's your move, if you've been saving all of these picks, remember Danny Ainge? That was his mistake, right? Yeah. Danny Ainge's mistake was harboring all those picks and then having the moment to pull the trigger and not doing it. And and I think that was that was KD, was it not to pull the trigger? KD or AD, one of the two. Maybe both. It was. It may have been both, but I think the one that you're speaking about, the one that I'm thinking about, is the one that you just said. It was Anthony Davis. Thank you. That was the one where he could have done it. Jalen Brown would have probably been the one that was gone, but that would have been the move to make, right? And then he didn't make that move, and now you just got to wait for another one of those opportunities. He didn't really get a clean one. KD was the other one, but he didn't really get a clean look at it. So if that's the case, if I'm the team that's trading with you and you're trading me all of these picks and you're like, these are high-value picks, da 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 I'm looking at you saying, isn't this your, this is your all-in move? So if your all-in move works, these picks won't be worth shit in a couple of years. Or you take those picks and you try to package a, not necessarily a superstar, but a very valuable veteran in the league. Um, if you want to put more veterans. Are you talking about me or OKC? If I'm OKC. Okay. Because that's, that's to me the only two things you could really do. That's, Yeah. I don't think they're going to use all these picks. I can't see how they're going to make all of them work, to be quite frank. I don't see how they fit the new pieces in. I, I think they would want to use them. You already have eight young guys out of a 15-man roster. Like, How many more young guys are you going to bring in and, and give a real chance to play? Yeah, and I mean, like we said, we looked at this draft and we said, yeah, no, there's two for sure that we like in this one, and Vic and Scoot. Um, and we'll see what the college basketball season brings us, right? Yeah, I mean, we... No names jump off right now, I don't think, right? We'll probably end up with, like, one to two out of college. So maybe if you're in the top four, you, you're probably going to get a pretty good pick. Five and five and below is probably... Yeah, you're just taking guesses at that point. I like... Uh, I agree with you halfway. I like the fact that you have teased with the fact of... um. One in like one or two, I think ultimately will boil down to one or two. Or we'll be like those are one or two. Like you know what you're getting with those guys. I think because we can't think of too many college names right now that are just like guaranteed. No, that's gonna be the one. I think we're probably gonna end the college year at least go into the tournament with four. We're gonna have four people that we're just like, oh man. And then I think we're gonna probably see their run in the tournament, or maybe a team gets bounced early, and we're like, "Oh, I don't, I'm, I don't know about this person anymore." Right? Things like that. I remember people were questioning Buddy Hill for a little bit during the tournament or before the tournament, and then he went on a tear in the tournament. What I did hate was all those those naysayers came right back out the moment he got eliminated, and he had a bad game. But I think a lot of people were put on to Buddy Hill. Because they were like, oh, well, he could be good, he could be good. And then you saw him in a tournament and was like, no. Sacramento clearly was like, let's let's go get this guy. Yeah. So, I mean, you have probably, like you said, four or five names that we think of <laughs> going into the tournament. And I still think ultimately we're going to get boiled down to about two that were like, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're legit. So, the Knicks get pick five. Correct. Of Hurt. course. Sounds right. It's just if, you're, if we're following trends. Which, I mean, hey, if you're going to Oklahoma City – it's one of the best teams as far as developing young talent. Yeah, and, and you talked about it too, and and there was a time where, obviously, post-KD and Russ, that you would go there and 
what are we doing here? Chris Paul even said it, right? Well, I don't want I don't want to be here. I don't know what this is, is and I don't know how long it's going to take. And I don't want to wait. Like, I don't really know how many other ways to tell you guys I don't want to wait. So now I think, as you said before, you're getting into a situation where now maybe people don't hate going to Oklahoma City. Maybe they see a little direction. I do think Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a big reason for that. Random thought before we go ahead and get into some more basketball to close out this first hour. This is the fun part of radio. Um, Somebody asked me. Well, I didn't do the show last night. Clearly, we didn't do the show last night. So I went ahead and said uh, and posted a, a link and was like, I'll take some questions tonight. I'll just I'll do some random questions. And been asked random questions since last night, but I seen a tweet or I seen a question this morning and I really had to go through my phone. And I think I have 18,000 pictures in my phone. So is that is that bad? You you what do you have? Nowhere near that. I'm not a big picture taker though. That's the thing. Like I'm not a picture taker either and you know that, but I screenshot the hell out of everything. <laughs> yeah, well, I if I didn't delete a lot of stuff like on occasional just to clear out space, I probably have a few thousand. I have 18,000 pictures on my phone. I think 4,000 are my favorites. Like, I just have 4,000 that are just like, I go to these often. But somebody asked me what the best day of the year so far has been. So I just went back to the top of the year and was like, let's just see what the year has looked like. You want me, you want to see the, or you want to know the pictures that I posted so far? Sure. (laughs) Excuse me. I said, I have a couple. My first NCAA tournament was clutch. And then I posted your uh, Vegas Golden Knight uh, credential, and I said, the media company, watching the media company grow. Shout out to Sean Zatel. Sean Zatel and Samantha tied the knot in April of this year. That was an amazing day. Our NFL draft party from Sapphire. That was an amazing day. Shout out to more than a hashtag. The Black Mom bailout. That was an amazing moment at the park. Uh, watching former UNLV uh, football captain Mike Hughes get engaged. That was a moment. Obviously being printed by the LA Times. And then uh, finally did like a universal day that I needed to do. But my last one, and I didn't get the picture up just yet. And it probably takes the cake. Next to the NCAA tournament. That's, that's up there too. And it's funny that both of my favorite moments this year come from a group of women. The first one is the NCAA tournament. And the second one, unquestionably, is the parade. Not even close. We've been saying for a while, women's basketball in the in the city is in very good hands. Very trusting hands. And it's going to be that way for a long time, apparently. Yeah. Uh, speaking of basketball, are the Lakers in good hands? Hell no. Funny that you used to say that. I'm walking into the Dollar Loan Center yesterday. What's today? Friday. Friday? It was yesterday. Yesterday. And somebody asked me what today was, or yesterday was, and I just looked at him. You looked down at, like, your phone. Like, hang on, let me check. I didn't have a watch on, so it was just bad. Like, you are, first of all, you know I don't leave the house without a watch. Right. So the fact that I was outside the house without a watch just had me, like, don't talk to me. Like, there's, everything is just, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm, what life is right now. Uh, but they asked me, and I looked at them, and I just kind of stared and was like, I have no clue. I couldn't, I couldn't even begin to tell you. Is it the 30th? It's the 5th. Oh, all right. Good to know. I don't, I don't know what today is. Um, but 
I, I walked into the building yesterday and first of all, you know, I don't like people over. I don't like people standing over me. I just I hate that feeling. I'm walking in and I feel somebody tall as hell behind me. And I'm like, why well, I feel like you looking over me? I look. It's Rob Palenka. I did see uh, Asai Jerry and Alvin Gentry. Was he? Yeah, they were in the concourse. I saw the Jets. I mean, the Jets. Why do I, what if, where is my brain? I saw the Jazz uh, because Fizdale was there. Mm. So I didn't know Gentry was there. Gentry was there. Ujiri uh, was there. Ujiri is interesting. Hey. They got some assets to package a high pick. Hey, man. You put... Vic in Toronto. Hey man, you got Spicy P. What him or Freddie Van Vliet gotta go? You know if you if you get that top pick, unless you just think this year. Well, we can't say that, right? Because what if they end up tenth, similar to, to to Detroit, right? Oh well, you got to play in tournament. I don't think it matters because it's still the top eight are the ones that are guaranteed not in the lottery. So I don't know. Do you punt on the year if you're Toronto? If it means potentially getting Vic, define punt because I think you don't need to punt all the way. So after twenty games, if you're five and fifteen, do you say okay? Yeah, I know we're good. I think you shoot for thirty-five after thirty-five games. So. No, no, no. I think you shoot for thirty-five wins for the year. <laughs> I think that's the goal. Because if you're middle of the road, I do think that the NBA. A lot of people have said like, oh, the draft lottery is 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 rigged. They know who they want to have. Maybe. I don't think Zion would have went to New Orleans. I don't, if that's the case. But if you guys are saying that, cool, let's go with it. Let's run with it. If that's the case, I think the NBA rewards teams that are middle of the road. We saw it with Detroit. We saw it with New Orleans. We see it with these teams, right? What happens if he goes to San Antonio? If I'm pop, I'm rejuvenated. I got another five years all of a sudden. You know what? I. You know what? I get Keldon, who's already disciplined. Keldon is going to be the leader of that team. Just the way that he acts, it appears. What happens if Vic goes there? Doesn't To me, like, it would be a good talent, but it wouldn't make the Spurs any better is where I would put it at. I'm just thinking about Vic being coached by Pop. I don't know what Pop would be able to do. That's the that's the other thing. Is like Pop's a great coach. Pop's also getting up in there in age. I don't know how many years Pop actually truly has in him. You think Pop will stop when he when he just doesn't care anymore? I think Pop will stop when he's dead on the sideline. He's I I feel like he's that type of coach that no you're gonna have to pull him off the sideline. And be like no Pop let's go. Um, you know what's funny? Shout out to, and this is hilarious. Shout out to Ed Azam. Westchester legendary basketball coach. I I said that's the John Wooden high school basketball, but people could argue with me if they want to. Uh, but you look at what coach has done for for Westchester, and uh, one of the reasons why I never left Westchester. One of the reasons why I had an opportunity to leave, and I didn't. I, I felt like learning the game from him, even if I wasn't playing, was more beneficial for me. And again, it it, it is what it is. But I remember ask here. It was my senior year. And I remember uh, hearing Coach, and you guys know how I feel about words, so I am going to say what he said, but I'm going to quote it. Uh, I went to Coach, and I was like, Coach, I'm graduating. You know, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm not really trying to look for no story. But a story came to me, and I looked at him, and I was like, I'm tired of hearing it. But 
what's this I hear about you retiring? And he nipped it in the bud immediately. No truth to it. Not happening. And I was like, well, when are you retiring, coach? You can kind of give me that heads up, right? He said, quote, I'll retire when I'm dead. And I looked at him and said, okay. I'm here to tell you Coach Zam's last year coaching high school basketball was last year. Coach is retired now. For now. God bless Coach. No, Coach is retired. Okay. Cause there's some guy. I don't have coach's number. I will find a way to get coach's number. Coach, stay home. <laughs> like we love you. We appreciate all them banners that are up there. Chill out. <laughs> like just you know, we we're we're good. And again, we're 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 heading into to Laker talk, but teams are gonna are, are gonna are gonna tank, right? Obviously. What do you think of the draft lottery? By the way, love it, hate it, get rid of it. Um, I think it needs to be more clear in terms of how they're picked. Or the way that they say that, oh, they're picked with the with the balls going around and they randomly shoot the ball through, do it publicly. It's cool. Like it's cool to do it because you know what I used to do? And let's just be let's just keep it keep it a stack. I used to play 2K and NBA Live and things like that. And um me and my brother, we were talking about it yesterday. We would create each other and my cousin. And we would put each other all in one game. And we would randomly go to a team. But we always got three picks. Because if you're randomly going to a team and then you stop on the Bobcats. Oh, I'm not going there. I'm not going. So do it again. So how do I know that the NBA is not back there like, well, where is Zion going? Where is Zion going to Indiana Pacers? No, he's not. How do I know that? Which is why I would vote for getting rid of the lottery completely. I, if I believe that they're... I believe that the, the the idea in theory is a good one, but it has to be public. You have to do it. Like the the envelope behind it, it's weird to me. It, I feel like you guys are making it what you want to make it. It's just weird to me. The fact that the Lakers ended up number two that year. Yeah. When everybody was saying Markel Fultz was going number one. If Lonzo was going one, I bet you the Lakers would have went one. I mean, like I said, I'd get rid of the lottery personally because at least you can ensure that Really bad teams are still going to get rewarded. I'm going to go with this. Like I said, let's let's say it is public. But let's say you can't take back certain things. So what happens if uh, Minnesota – well, I can't use Minnesota anymore, damn. Uh, let's say OKC has the worst record. Let's say OKC has the best odds to get it. Let's say OKC is their, – their ball gets picked and they're eighth. So now, like, four teams just, just leapfrogged you. What happens if this year's OKC or this year's number one uh, draft spot goes to Charlotte? Most people are like, damn, we don't care about a number one draft pick going to Charlotte. You think about it basketball wise, it makes a lot of sense. That would be great basketball. You think about where the Hornets are, losing Miles Bridges, probably ruined his career, probably ended his career. What happens if they if they're middle of the road? What happens if they finish eleven? It can happen. So again, like I said before, it just it, it makes more sense to have Vic in a in a in a in a, in, a uh, in his own continent, even maybe with Canada. But I'm not, or in his own country, excuse me. I'm I'm just not sure if the draft lottery is is completely unrigged the way they say it is. I would. So if you don't want to get rid of the draft lottery completely, because I get there, there's people that are like, no, we gotta have the lottery. I would be okay even with a tier system of the lottery. If you are, if you are, let's say, the thirtieth best team in the league, you're the worst team in the league considerably. If you're the top three teams as, as far as 
being the worst team in the NBA, those three teams should be locked into a tier of the top three. You're, okay. So that way you guarantee yourself a top three pick. Now, the order can still be randomized. Teams would, teams would absolutely tank if that's the case. But it's not a for sure like, oh, we're going to take to be the worst team because then we know we're going to have the number one pick. It's still somewhat random because you could have as worse as a third pick. But let's say you get to a, a Pacer team. Like, let's 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 talk about my team. They have no direction right now. They they know that the best two players on the team they're gonna trade. Like that's where they're at right now. Miles Turner and Buddy Hield. Yeah, see you till probably February, and then you'll be gone somewhere. So if that's the case, why don't I ship them now? Be bad all year. I know that no matter what happens, I'm getting a top three pick. If I'm a Pacer. Like, if I'm the Pacers, OKC, more like the middle of the road. I should say middle of the road. Um, for lack of a better term, middle America. We talk about these big markets, right? Indiana, Oklahoma City. Like, I think if you get to Cleveland. You get to those areas. I think, yeah, I can't afford to have an eighth pick. The Knicks probably can't. I can't. I can't. I'll take that. I'll take that risk. But that's why, I mean, that's why I... If you wanted to amend the draft lottery to mm-hmm. where you don't get rid of it completely, but you have more guarantee in it, if you will, right? I would have tiers of three teams. So, you know, the top three teams as far as worst record mm-hmm. are in the top or in the top three essentially. So where they're going to have a top three pick, then you go on down the line. You know, four, five, and six. Right. They're all in a pool to determine that order. No, I was just thinking because they, they they do. Kind of have what you're what you're saying, but it's only two tiers. They have the teams that make the playoffs and the teams that don't. So I think what based on and we can move on to the Lakers right now. I think based on what they are arguing and probably lying to us and telling us, OKC, um, Orlando. Plus, it would also keep the NBA more honest if the, if they had this tier system because they would have to stick to it. Because well, because everybody would know. Okay, it's either this team, this team, or this team that's going to have the number one pick. What happens if the, if the, if there's what happens if there's two teams with bad records, and then you have three teams tied with that with that next one? You could go to different tiebreakers. You could go to divisional okay. records. So no worries. Then. Um, yeah, you can figure that part out. But having tiers of three teams to where, like, let's say you're the worst team or second worst or third worst team, you still viably have a pretty good chance at the number one pick. But yet, it doesn't allow a team like a middle of the road team to sneak in there and get a number one pick. So what they're basically doing, which is I'm I'm fine with it, but what they're basically doing is, or what they're saying is, if you're a bad team, you have more ping pong balls in the in the West Coast. That's essentially what we're saying, right? Based on that logic, in my mind, you have more chances to be picked at any point. So. The Pelicans would make sense because they were a 10 seed. Detroit would make sense. They were a 10 seed. All of those make sense because they would have one or two balls in the in the entire pool. So if the balls are jumping around, that makes a lot of sense because they're ping pong balls. The teams that have eight and nine and 10, you're going to get picked early. So, again, the way to unmanipulated, quote-unquote. That's not even a word, I don't think. Just don't do it behind the curtain anymore. Because if you do it publicly and we see that the Detroit Pistons should have the, the best chance to win, 
and they're picking 14th, uh-uh. Nope, nope. I'm a Pacer fan. Nope, they're 14. Redo that. that means I get a top 13 pick. I mean, a top three pick. I want my top three pick. Right. I think the NBA is back there like, no, we can't get Detroit. That. No, put, put them back in it. Just do it in the public. Do it out in the open. Like, I don't I don't know. I'm for it. Because I'm telling it'll be so many whistleblowers. Everybody would turn into that Leonardo DiCaprio uh, meme. Yeah, well, there's a reason. I mean, they've had opportunities to do it, and I guess there's a reason the NBA has declined a lot of those opportunities. There's too. a reason. They're just like, fam, we don't need nobody seeing what goes on back here. Like, I, I mean, how do we know that Zion wasn't originally supposed to go to New York? Exactly. And they looked and they looked at that and they said, "Oh hell no, we ain't sent. We nope. Try again. Not doing it. <laughs> Put this one back in the thing. We're, we're not doing that. How do I know that he didn't? Doesn't matter." Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't. Matter. How do I know that Golden State didn't have a number one pick that year? Oh, they that they for damn sure probably got put back in the box. They said they said, oh, this team, Mm-mm. nope. Like just we we've seen these wild trades happen where you look up and Houston had a great year with um James Harden and Chris Paul, and you look up and you be like, how they get a Pacer pick? Feels like oh, well they got the Pacer pick from the trade with Philly, and remember Philly traded that pick with Milwaukee. So Houston's in the top 10? Wait, how did they get – so we see it all the time. So I think the only question that we have is how they get to their final 14. I think kind of like what you said. I think M- the NBA kind of does what a lot of people do on 2K, like when they're going through their career. Damn, I'm not going they, there. They look at where they're getting <laughs> – they're like, oh, no, I'm going to restart that. Like, nope, I'll I'm not that. going there, bro. I'm not going there. <laughs> and the funny thing was when we would do that on the game – we would like let's let's say my first pick was the Bobcats, then the next one was the Bucks, and like I played two guards, so Michael Red is there. I'm not gonna play over Michael Red, no. Um, and now let's send me to and now let's third pick. Now you gotta go wherever you go. Let's say it's Chicago. My brother's already there. We we can't be on the same teams, so now you have to pick one of those three. All right, give, I'll play. I'll play the three. Where's Michael Red? I'll play the three. That's, that's a lot of hard decisions going. It's on like, that. damn, bro. Like, I guess I gotta just change my position in. Like, either I I gotta share the spotlight, either I gotta play the three, or I gotta go to the Bobcats. Like, this is. But again, like I said before, I think yes, you'll get some wild situations. You'll get some top three picks that you probably didn't expect. But I think you will at least eliminate the questions that come with it, right? Speaking of questions, a lot of people are questioning whether the NBA is coming to Vegas. Uh, the Lakers typically come to Vegas, and they did so again this year. This is the first time in three years that they've done it. Been a been a very very long time. Uh, two back to back days at the T-Mobile Arena, both losses. The team is zero three this preseason. If I recall correctly, the Lakers are zero for their nine last pre. Oh, for over their last nine. Over their last nine preseason games. Yep, they went zero six last year. Look how last year turned out. Yeah. I mean, I said it was the Lakers. You had a Patrick Beverly and you hired Darvin Ham. Those are your two marquee moves this offseason. Meanwhile, everybody else in your conference, and hell, everybody in your own city got better this offseason. Got notably better. Like, if you look across the hallway from the Lakers... The Clippers are bringing back a healthy Kawhi Leonard, a healthy Paul George. They've added John Wall, who's also healthy. I told y'all about that pick. If John Wall is healthy, I don't know that I don't have the Clippers coming out the coming out the West. 
At least going to the Western Conference Finals. Very possible, especially like we talked about earlier. Uh, maybe it's earlier in this week or last week. There's a very real possibility Phoenix could implode at any given moment. You ready for me to do some reporting really quick? Yeah. So, obviously, the NBA was here this week, right? And spoke with a couple of people. And the sources that I spoke to, that implosion is coming sooner rather than later. It felt that way. Like, I, I, I had a feeling about it. I didn't know, like, confirmed about it. But I, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, yeah, this is going to be before the trade deadline. It's going to be before the new year. But you want to know the most damaging point of it, part of it. And, and this, is, this is not me reporting. This is my assumption based on what I heard. DeAndre Aiden is going to be asked to step away from the team. That whole debacle. I Because they can't trade him until January 15th. It's going to implode before that, before the calendar year. You need three more months. Or you, granted, you guys are asking. The basketball world and the Phoenix Suns and Monty Williams and DeAndre Aiden to coexist for three months. That's 90 days. Not going to happen. Which... I mean, we saw the whole, well, I mean, you being a Pacer fan, you almost got DeAndre Ayton. Oh, I thought you were about to talk about implosions. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm triggered. I, was, I told you. I relax. Know, I was about to. I was giving you team credit. I'm I was sorry. About, I saw the headline. I was like, oh, all right. DeAndre's going to Indiana. That's some, that's some hope for the I almost Pacers. jumped off the wall at the house. Uh, I think when Phoenix stepped up and matched the offer, I said, oh, there's a lot of tension here. DeAndre wanted out. He did not want Phoenix. Because you guys don't want to pay me. He did not want Phoenix matching that offer. And like we said, we we feel that it's a consensus that Phoenix is, could very well implode at any given moment. How do we know? We just had this conversation not that long ago. How do we know if they implode, they don't look around and go, who's available in the draft? Oh, we can get him? And we're asking this dude to step away? You already know. CP, take take the year off, bro. Like you, you're good. We'll we'll call you next year. Like we're going to we're going to be bad on purpose. It's funny that you say that because Devin Booker is obviously the star of that team, and Devin the Suns go as Devin Booker goes. And <laughs> having been around Devin Booker a little bit, um, similar to what I just said about the Suns uh, being able to coexist for three months, he's not going to be okay with losing. So now, while I'm with you, because I did, that's that's where I was going with this. If you know you're gonna be bad, this is where I was going. Some remember how you asked if I thought that they could implode, like to where they don't make the playoffs type implode. Yeah, yeah, I do, because you said CP3 take a year off. Essentially, what it turns into for me is what I said about Mason Crosby the other year. Like you said before, if the Suns get off to a slow start, especially if DeAndre Aiden is asked to step away from the team. Again, I'm not reporting anything. I haven't been told that this is just what what I've been assuming right. based on what I've been told. When I, I, I made it a point to phrase the questions when I was talking to people, do you think they're going to implode? Or do you think that the Suns impl- implosion is coming? I think one person may have hesitated. Everybody else was like, you know, without a doubt. It's a matter of when at this point. I'm trying to think roughly how many games are between the start of the year and, let's say, Christmas. That's a good cutoff point. 
Because I think it's going to, like you said, it's probably going to implode before we get to Christmas Day. So we'll call Christmas Day. Let's say 6 in October. Okay. No, I lied. Hell no. Um, let's say, because it starts in the middle of October now. So let's say 8. I'll give them 8. Um, you said till, just till Christmas. Yep. Yeah, you'll probably have teams at cuz you know the record the the schedules uh spaces out after the All-Star break. Right. So, they're probably going to be at north of 40. So, we'll say right close at, to 40, I should say. Not north of 40, maybe close to 40. Okay. So, I'll go with I'll say 40 just to have a round number. What does Phoenix's record look like after 40 games? Mm. Best record in franchise history last year. Um, this year, what does Phoenix records look like after forty games? Forty games. I I do think DeAndre Ayton is asked to step away. I don't think they lose right away off of that. Um, you said forty games. I'm gonna give them. I feel like I'm copping out, but I'm gonna give them middle of the road. I'm gonna give them about twenty one. So twenty. 21 and 19. 22 and 18, somewhere around there, probably. Could go the other way, too. You could have 19 and 21. Yeah. They'll probably be around Denver, probably be around Dallas at that point. Probably be Dallas might be way ahead, but we'll see. Maybe around Dallas at that point. They'll probably be 6, 7, 8 in that, in that room, around that time. So at that point, what, what seed do you think they're around at that point? 6, 7, 8. I guess there's two two trains of thought here. You know that ap- after the first of the year, approximately at January 15th, you can officially trade DeAndre Ayton. I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm going to throw one monkey one wrench in there. If CP3 is battling an injury around this time, this is where I go back to the Mason Crosby point. That's where you may talk to Chris about sitting it down. Yeah. Okay, well, let's say he's dealing with a hip injury or something. Well, we know that's when you talk to the doctor. Well, you know, Chris, if you don't heal it now, it can linger. It could be two months, three months. You should just take three months to rest it. Who's to say that in – I mean, I've used this team a lot, but it could make sense, especially if – depending on what Phoenix is going to want in return. Who's to say Phoenix doesn't call up Oklahoma City and says, we don't want any players. We'll give you DeAndre Ayton. We just want a few picks back in return. Not saying that Phoenix is going to use those picks. They may use them as trade bait if they if they know that they're looking around, especially if they know, like you said – Let's say Chris Paul's dealing with an injury, and it's a it's fairly significant injury that's going to cause him to miss quite a bit of time. Um, maybe not completely like the full season, but maybe let's say Chris doesn't come back until the earliest would be 15 games left in the year, 10 games left in the year. Basically a point where they could look at and go, just take the rest of the year off. Um, if they get to that point, if I'm Oklahoma City, I'm kind of intrigued because I'm getting DeAndre Ayton in a new situation who's a veteran in this league. I'm already down my big guy in Chet Holmgren for the year. Now, granted, if you're Oklahoma City, you're also kind of eyeballing that number one pick. You don't want to necessarily have too many bigs. We saw this what what happened with the Aces. With Liz Cambage and Asia Wilson, somebody had to go. That was pretty evident because they just both could not coexist with each other I don't think more from a personality standpoint, just from a space, a spacing standpoint, they could not coexist with each other. 
I don't know if Oklahoma State takes the bait. DeAndre Ayton could go elsewhere. But if I'm Phoenix, I'm calling up teams that have pretty good draft capital or maybe good young assets that I can take in return for shipping off DeAndre Ayton. Even though his stock is going to be notably low. They already snatched him from the Pacers, so I'm not giving you anything for him. Um, <laughs> uh, but going back, as bad as the as the Phoenix Suns are, or at least we expect them to be, right? Um, which is kind of crazy considering where they were two years ago. I, random. This, I may have only spoken to one person about this one, but I will say I brought up that Monty Williams point about how even with last year being what it was, for Phoenix, I saw a point of the year last year where it looked as if Monty Williams, the realization that he may never make an NBA Finals again set in. And it's almost like a desperate look almost. And it almost looks emotional. And I brought it up, and and while I was talking, the person was nodding their head. And as I finished, the person said, absolutely. I said, so I feel like I get that from him and Chris now. And the person looked at me and said, absolutely. I don't know, man. And even as bad as as I said before, as we expect the Suns to be, one of those preseason losses for the Lakers to the Suns. Uh, And which DeAndre Aiden played. So, I mean, there goes that, right? Uh... (laughs) <laughs> Let's talk about UNLV football. Before I do so, let me go ahead and update you guys on the game in St. Louis. You want to guess the score? 0-0. Zero, zero. It's 0-0. Zero, zero. Bottom of the seventh. There is one out. Tell me, man. Low-scoring baseball. I happens. love it. I love it. It's already, uh, a, I want to say high-scoring game, but there's already a, a run on the board over in Toronto. Seattle was up. one nothing. Top of the first. Runner on second with one out. Interesting. Seattle said, we're here. First time in the postseason in 21 years. Do you know that that means that I haven't seen Seattle in the postseason since I was six? That means I haven't seen Seattle in the postseason since I was two. So we've never seen Seattle in the postseason. Pretty much, yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, we've never seen UNLV in a bowl. Well, you have. Relax, relax, relax. I've never seen them in a bowl game. We'll see if they can do it this year. We can see if they can inch a little bit closer to that tonight. They're 4-1, and one, and first place is on the line against the San Jose State Spartans. Do they get it done? Yes. This team's cooking with a lot of gas right now. Uh, Now, notably, I was a little confused on this, by the way, earlier in the week. I'm pretty sure Kyle Williams and Jeff Weimer are both out. I'm about 95% certain. I haven't heard about Weimer, but I know Kyle is. At least that's what they said. Yeah. it It was interesting because UNLV released their depth chart, and it had Kyle Williams as the number one starter. I was like, that does not sound right because um, if that was the case, then, I mean, essentially I had two conflicting reports. The depth chart said, yeah, Kyle Williams is going to be the number one guy, but it didn't have Jeff Weimer on there. Yeah. Paloma uh, Villicana? Villicana. Villicana, okay. I wanted to get that right. Yeah. Paloma Villicana um, for Fox 5, she's one of the the main kind of beat reporters, if you will, for UNLV football, kind of travels with the team. Um, is there at the home game, covers this team basically, you know, wall-to-wall, essentially. She came out early in the week, and, I mean, this was probably Tuesday, and tweeted, yeah, practice report, uh, Weimer and Williams both out. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't even a game-time decision. It wasn't question, no, out. I was like, 
oh, they might be this injury might be a little bit more serious for Kyle Williams than maybe we were led on to believe. Uh, because this was on, I mean, the game's on Friday. You're already saying on Tuesday, yeah, there's no chance he's playing. Right, and that means the level of pain that he's dealing with, it's not even, like you said before, it's not even, uh, let's see how it is day by day. It's, we'll reassess next week. Yeah, and so, but even even with all that taken into account, UNLV was able, once they, because to me, when I looked at that New Mexico game, the biggest thing I kept saying was, this team just needs to flip the switch. Once that happens, they're going to roll. And that's exactly what happened. They found a switch. Granted, that switch probably came when they were down 17 nothing, unfortunately. Right. But as soon as they were able to get that, fr- uh, to me, the switch really got flipped when they got that first touchdown in the, in the second half, the first touchdown drive. Um, I think it was it was maybe Aiden Robbins that ran it in or something like that. I have to go back and the look. The second t- rushing touchdown? No, no, no. The the first rush or the first T D drive for UNLV that happened in the second half. Because that was, was Doug. Doug had two rushing touchdowns and then uh Aiden had one. Okay. So the first uh T D drive for UNLV in that second half to I believe tie the game at seventeen. I said, Oh, here's the switch. It just got flipped because I I I may, I may have even said it on Monday. That TD drive felt like a basketball player making a layup after a drought. They just mm. needed to see the one go in to get everything else rolling. And so I think UNLV, their offense, I don't think San Jose is going to be able to stop UNLV's offense. I'm just hoping that we get the same UNLV defense tonight that has been, as I've characterized pretty much to start the year, they're a bend-don't-break defense. They, they give it to, the, to a lot of the critics' credit, They'll give up a lot between the 20s. I'm not doubting that. Between the 20s, if you were going to find an area of this defense that you probably should tighten up if you're Marcus Arroyo, work between the 20s. But we know that once this team, you know, is backed up against the red zone, uh, the opposing team is in their in the red zone essentially, the defense doesn't give up much. They're giving up they're they're forcing field goals. They're getting goal line stands. If we get that same defense tonight to where Let's say UNLV's offense is clicking as normal, and they're they're you know clicking away TD drives, or maybe they're going TD field goal, TD field goal as far as their offensive possessions. And San Jose's walking away with three every time, or mostly every time. This game could be a little more lopsided because I think UNLV. It, it's, I, I think the talent's very evenly matched on both ends. Now. I don't quite look at the schedule. What was the last game? New Mexico. New Mexico. Um, I thought that was going to be a blowout, right? I expected this game, or I expect this game to be closer, and I think that's what we're going to get. You talked about San Jose State's defense. Let's talk about the defense really quick. This season in four games played, they've given up 17 points, 24 points, 6 points, and 16. Who are their opponents in those games? Great question, Matt. I'm going to give you one, three, and four, and then I'll give you number two. You ready? Yep. Portland State scored 17 points. Western Michigan scored six. Wyoming scored 16. They played Auburn. Auburn only scored 24 against them. They lost 24 to 16 to Auburn. I still would stand by the fact that this will be the most explosive offense San Jose's faced to this point this year. Auburn's more one of those, they're more of a grinded out type of offense. They're not going to necessarily Excuse me, sorry. score up in the 40s every game. They're traditionally more of a grinded-out type of program where they're comfortable with running the ball a lot. And they're 3-2 this year. Yeah. 
this could very well be the most explosive offense that San Jose has to defend against. I think 30 or more is pretty reasonable for UNLV tonight. I think it's undoubtedly undoubtedly their most exposed or excuse me, it's the most explosive team in the Mountain West. Yes. Without question. I think that's obvious at this point. Uh, as I said before, first place is on the line. San Jose State, they're 3-1 and one on the year. UNLV, they are 4-1 and one on the year. So somebody's one has to go, technically, in theory. So we'll see how this goes. Um, I have a question, and this is random. But what happens? Don't they cap overtimes in college at 10? No. There's no necessarily cap at, with OT. They just make it to where somebody's going to win eventually, sooner rather than later. To where like they're gonna make the rules up as we go. So at this point, we're gonna be like, you know what? Cool. We're gonna play seven oh seven, right? Take your helmets off. We we got flags for you. <laughs> I'd be okay with that as a viewer. I'm just. Like, I don't care at this point. I just want the game to end. I mean, I would, the I mean the first time I watched hockey and I saw what OT in the regular season looks like. Yep. I was like, oh, 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 where where the other two players from each side go? What do you mean they're not playing? We're playing three on three. We played sixty minutes of five on five, yep. and now we're gonna play five minutes of this three on three. Yep. It, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I wish every overtime could be a shootout. I swear I do. Uh, but in, to get back to your question, in college, the first two overtime periods are played out normal, um, except for I mean, not normal normal. Each right. team starts on the opposing team's twenty five, right. so you have twenty five yards to get to the end zone. After the second overtime, I believe it's it might still be the same, but you're forced to go for two. I do remember that. It may be after the third or may it's either after the third or the fourth overtime, they just start going with two point conversions. And then the first one to not get one. Yeah. They just start That's lining insane. up and doing two point. So essentially there's not like I say for for say a cap on number of overtimes. The rules are skewed to where, like, somebody's going to win eventually. Didn't we see, like, LSU and Texas A&M do something like that? Where they was, like, seven OTs? Yeah. Which, by the way, the NFL needs to adopt. I'm not, I'm not with this tie bull crap. And we get one every year. We're guaranteed we really to get one, one every year. In week one. We're guaranteed to get one every year. We just got one in week one. We almost had one last night. I was looking at that late. Oh, we finna we gonna do that. It's and it's the Colts. Are we going there now? <laughs> Let's just do it. The Colts almost had their second tie of the year. I'm gonna ask you again. <laughs> Is Matt Ryan cooked? Oh, he's for sure cooked. He's like he yeah. <laughs> On paper, the Colts won that game last night. In reality, Nobody won last night. I don't even know if they won on paper, dog. Like I don't even know. I mean, I get the paper says they're two, two and one. Hell, they had they they. they wow. Um, they gave up six sacks. They. Wow, they gave up six sacks. They threw two picks. I think they fumbled twice. And they won the game. It looked like two teams that were almost tanking. They were like, "I don't want to win. You win. No, I don't want to win. You're gonna win." Like, uh. This is bad. The other, I mean, this was probably the first time I I said this, and I was like, you know, V's game tonight is at seven thirty. I don't know if I set the time. Sorry, guys, I apologize. My fault for that. And not a short week for UNLV. Back to back Friday night games. Very true. It may be. I think it's a short week for San Jose. It is relative short because I think they played late Saturday. They played on the first. I think that. Well, I think they played late on the first too. Mm -hmm. So even less time. There you go. 
UNLV. Small uh, wins, right? That's right. Um, with this game, I think. I mean, this was the first time I looked up and was like, Russ might be washed. He very well could be washed. Remember in the beginning of the year when we talked about the top 12 quarterbacks, top 10 quarterbacks, whatever it was? Remember how I said, um, Derek, where was Derek Carr? He was outside of that. Yeah. I think he was 12. Whatever, whatever he was, I looked at the names ahead of him, right? And remember, I was like, I think they got Joe Burrow and Dak flipped. I think they – like certain stuff, right? And then I looked at the bottom, and I saw Derek. But I saw Russ before Derek. And you guys know how big of a fan of Russell Wilson I've been. What did I say this year? I said, Russ has to show me. I said, if Russ looks the way he did last year, I know that they tried to say he was dealing with injury after – well, first of all, after the fact, because he was he looked bad to begin with, too. I looked at it, and I said, well, he's going to have to show me this year. Russ might work. M- might look worse this year than last year. He does. This is the worst Russ has ever looked. And the crazy thing was, this is why I was I was waiting to tweet it because you know I'm a Russ fan. I'm sitting by my phone waiting to tweet it. Russ hasn't played well in five straight games. If they would have won last night, they would have won three of them. That's what makes him so dangerous. Do you agree with the call to go for it on fourth and one in over in overtime? Comparatively to kicking the field goal. I do. But you're going to be mad. Well. And if you do, would you have, do you agree with the play call that came out for fourth and one? That's what I don't agree with. Would you have rather ran the ball? I hate to say it, but I, I'm going to Melvin Gordon. And I hate putting pressure on athletes. Like Melvin played great. I'm going to Melvin Gordon, and I'm telling Melvin. You better not drop this. You cannot drop this one. Put two hands on the thing. Put actually put both your feet on it if you have to. Like something. Don't, stuck it in your stick it in your visor. Yeah. I don't care what you do. Bite it. Like just hold it. Just keep the football. Just hold it and lean forward a yard. But you know what this is the prime example of? Nathaniel Hackett listening to NFL Live, first take, get up, undisputed. It felt very Brandon Staley-esque. He knew, especially coming from the Green Bay organization, you know you run the football in that situation. If nothing else, it's a fourth and one. But look at the field position you have. You talked about overtime. You're down three. Look at where you are. Inside the 10, I think. You, no, you're, Yeah, you're down at the, at the goal line, damn near. So it's like, let's say you're five out. When when uh Richard Sherman went on his tweeting spree, oh yeah, we're trying to get. I that. love it. I love that level of petty. When he said flashbacks, I laughed. When he retweeted his gif, I laughed. Like, cause it's all funny because that's exactly what happened. Nathaniel Hackett knows you run the football in that situation. He thought back to week one, fourth and five. You kicked the field goal. How did that go for you? I understand he's in his head. He's overthinking it. Go back to what brought you here. Your instincts. Go back to what you know. Now, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, I understand Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. You think Aaron Rodgers is giving the ball to Aaron Jones in that moment? Either he's giving them to Aaron Jones or, I don't know if it was Kirk or if it was Al on the broadcast that had said it. One of them said it. They said, let's not rule out the fact that Russ could roll out and just dive forward for a yard. Russ had plenty of room to his right side. K.J. Hamler was open. 
Like the Colts were <laughs> like, like the Colts, they could have won twice. The Colts weren't guarding the right side of the field, which is Russ's dominant side. If I'm Russ, if I don't see anything in the first second, I'm going. Oh, there's enough room over there. Okay, we just need a yard. Dive forward, get a new set of downs, and then you go from there. KJ Hamler was. I, I'm. I don't know if he said anything to Russ after the fact, but he clearly was open. And oh, he was. Yeah. I don't. I think if KJ, Ham, I mean, I imagine KJ Hamler to be a pretty, like a lot of people in the league, very professional about it. That may be a situation you don't say anything. You just no, it's absolutely a situation you don't say anything unless Russ really like, still doesn't know that or, you or weren't you let, open. Or you let Russ say something and be like, "Yeah, I missed you, bro. That was on me." True, true, uh, and, and that's why. At first of all, too, you don't say anything because of the way he reacted. He reacted outwardly. He was pissed as as he should have been, but. Everybody caught it. So I don't have to say anything. Russ is going to see this. Trust me. Like right. So like you said, you wait for Russ to come to you at that point. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, I, I didn't think Russ was cooked this year. Um, is he? Through the first five? Is he? Some of those throws were terrible to watch. And this is what's crazy because I called Phillip Rivers, and I don't want to say that I called it because I don't think it was that – I don't think it was that Einstein moment for me. I thought it was obvious to see that Phillip Rivers was cooked. I didn't call Drew Brees cooked until his final season because Drew Brees wasn't cooked until his final season. We're going to get to that other quarterback because I'm I'm wrong about Matt Ryan. And this is the first time I'm ever going to fully admit it. But I'm wrong about Matt Ryan, plain and simple, because I said Matt Ryan wasn't cooked. He's cooked. Matt's finito. Matt's done. Matt Matty Ice is done. Um, it's it's unfortunate to see. So to go back to your point about Russell Wilson, I'm going to have to experience the same thing that I've experienced with Matt Ryan. Uh, he's gonna have to just he's gonna have to stink it up, bro. I think this is the worst Russ we've ever seen. I'm not willing to say he's cooked. Cause not to sound like that, he's with, he's in his new system, right? So f- first five games with this new system, uh, new teammates, everything. Seattle Russ, that ball is on KJ Hamler in three seconds. I think we see that Russ again. How often do we see that Russ after? I don't know. Do I think that Russ can give us another year of that? I absolutely do. Two years? I absolutely do. Do I go further than three? I don't know. I still think it's a bad system fit for Russ. Because I think in Seattle, somebody mentioned this to me last night, and the more I thought about it, the more I think it's actually pretty true. In Seattle, Russ was known for making big plays off of broken plays. Indeed. If you look around at a lot of the Bronco receivers, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, they're very skilled route runners. That's not Russ's style. Russ is kind of known to do his best work in kind of improv, if you will. To where if you're running a great route, you're going to have to hope Russ can hit you on time. And there was a lot of times last night that either whether it was Judy, whether it was Sutton, whether whoever it was, they were running good routes. Russ just mistimed the throw. Yeah. And so, okay, now you're bringing something, something different to the table. Nah. Was it, oh, whatever. I'm going to ask. I, I disagree, but I'm going to ask. 
Um, are you saying that Russ have, has a problem putting the ball? And I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'm literally asking a question. Are you saying that Russell Wilson has the problem has a problem putting the ball on guys? Yes. He had a significant problem with that last night. And it may be the one that's eight, that's preventing him from winning more games this year because I mean, to these <coughs> guys' credit, they're told to run around. Okay, I'm gonna run around. Like I got Russell Wilson. I'm hoping that he's gonna hit me on time and on target. He's had moments in Seattle. He had moments in Seattle where uh, he missed the target, airmailed it, right? We've seen it before. We've seen quarterbacks do it, period, across the board. He airmailed so much last night, especially in the red zone. Denver looks bad. He's airmailed a lot. The Raider game here, he's airmailed a lot to where he throws it and it's almost like you don't have Tyreek Hill on your team. You don't have Jamar Chase on your team. You don't have Justin Jefferson on your team. You can't just throw it up. You don't have Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf anymore on your team. Tyler Lockett was my next answer. I, I think Tyler Lockett was the perfect receiver for Russell Wilson. But to to go back to your point, I think what's interesting is I think Tyler Lockett is a great uh, route runner as well. Go back and just watch their highlights together. And I know you know, but he would drop the ball in a bucket to Tyler. I do think that him and these receivers can get on a, a a comfort level. It may not be like Seattle, right? We understand it. But I think they can get to a comfort level to where the ball is being put right back on guys. We saw it certain times with Cortland Sutton last night. I think the best throw of the night was the one that Cortland Sutton and Montreal Washington caught. That was the best throw of the night. In the moment, I said, so they both getting half the yardage there? I didn't think that, but I did think about the catch. I just thought about the catch, and I was like, so who get that? Cause is, that is it like a sack where we put half a catch? <laughs> I wish they would do that. You know Because you're not going to see it often. Right. So I wish you would do it at this year because Cortland Sutton got credit for it. I didn't play at this level. I didn't. We understand. When I played, my brother would always put me at tight end. Montreal Washington caught that ball. I'm looking at Cortland Sutton like, so – how many yards? 51, right? Cool. I get 25 and a half of those? No. <laughs> We're going to times that by two. Give me $102 right now. We're, we're, we're rich. Just give me $100. Yeah. Because you stole that 51 yards from me. Like, what? Are you, now I'm mad. Well, you like, remember, and the catch, too. He stole the catch away. You might be on to something. Stole reception and the yardage with in him. hindsight. Give me five hundred and just exactly. call it even. Exactly. Give me five hundred and just call it even. You can you can have those yards. You can have that catch. You already start. I don't understand what more you want from me. Um, and, and you can tell like in the moment too. That's why I'm happy that they had that moment after the catch too. Because uh, shout out to Cortland Sutton, the veteran of the group, right? Says it in the Montreal Washington because Montreal is a rookie. He did have a moment where he hung his head after he realized that Cortland, Cortland got the catch. And Cortland says something to him. And I, I think I watched his mouth after the fact. I don't know what he said originally, but he said that's what we do. And that's when Montreal snapped out of it, back to teammate mode. He slapped Cortland on the helmet. Yeah, I understand. I would have been mad in the moment too. I get it. But we got the yards. That's all that matters. Move on to the next play. Cortland Sutton did a great job kind of reeling the situation back in. And I think Montreal Washington was beyond receptive to the situation. If he was immature, that could have went left. Even with a positive play. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't mean left in the sense of throwing blows or nothing stupid, right? But could have went left in the sense of that could have took Montreal out of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, that could have really messed with his brain. So, especially being a rookie, not getting that many snaps, we know that he's the, he's the, um, 
I shouldn't say getting that many snaps, getting that many opportunities at targets. Uh, we understand he's the punt return guy, right? He's the kick return guy. Um, but week five in the NFL, we have some games to worry about with that. But we're closing week five in the NFL with the Monday nighter from Arrowhead Stadium. The Las Vegas Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. I picked the Raiders three times to start the year. And they lost all three. Then I picked Denver last week. And they lost to Denver. Or they beat Denver, excuse me. That means you got to be taking Kansas City, right? I'm taking Kansas City this week. Okay. I was making sure. I don't know what happens this week now that I picked Kansas City. But this is the most confident I've been in any pick except for the Charger pick. And the Charger pick was less about the Chargers and more about anybody seeing the Raiders in week one. So... This is the one that I'm probably most confident about so far. This one, in, and as I said before, week one, mainly because I don't know of anybody else playing better with better quarterback play right now than Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I love the Raiders. But if it comes down to solely winning and losing, Kansas City's going to win this game. The Raiders could keep it close, and they could keep it interesting, and they could keep it respectable. Kansas City is winning this game. After seeing what Kansas City did to Tampa Bay on the road last week in primetime, I mean, I may have to sit here and go, you may have been on to something about Kansas City. Like, there's not, I, they lost Tyreek Hill. It, not by much. It, compared to what that offense is still doing, it's not by much. It's like it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> and, and I told you before, I said Patrick Mahomes is the guy that even losing Tyreek Hill – I could see him as Patrick Mahomes. As yeah. If he can throw you open, he can throw you open. As long as you can catch the football, I think you're good. No disrespect to Sammy Watkins, but a lot of people had a narrative on Sammy Watkins, right? Mm-hmm. How did he look with the Chiefs? No disrespect to Sammy Watkins again, but he is in Green Bay right now. And people are still saying that Aaron Rodgers has nobody to throw to. I'd say most people forget that Sammy Watkins is in Green Bay. The, the people go, "Oh, where's Sammy Watkins at?" And they look up, "Oh, there's that's where he is." The place with no receivers. Like that's that's where he's at. Let's just keep it a buck. That's where he's at. And people, we know the Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. How did he look with one? How did he look with the other? Right. And I think a big reason Kansas City's probably gonna have a lot of success on Monday. They're not run dependent, and so when you <laughs> can't be. When you take away the Raiders' best level of their defense, which is their D-line, and you go to their weakest point of their defense, which is their secondary, I mean, this could be a huge game for Patrick Mahomes because it's been well-documented and well-noted. The Raiders' secondary is is arguably one of the worst in the league as far as— I'm, I checked out. You said this Raiders' secondary. Secondary, correct. So, cornerback safety— Essentially, if Kansas City's offense, Nate Hobbs has, I'm sorry, Nate Hobbs has been the one bright spot. Yeah, every game, Deron Harmon has had moments, Amik Robinson has had moments, but Nate, Nate Hobbs has been the only consistent. Yeah, I think if Kansas City can consistently get past that first level of the Raider defense and get into the secondary quite often, they're going to wear them down to a point to where this game could get out of hand. How do you feel about Jonathan Abram this year? He hasn't moved my needle one way or the other. He's kind of stayed at the same. Interesting. 
my hot take was that he wouldn't be he wouldn't be a Raider at the start of the year. That was my hot take. And then I saw the the um uh I wanted to say declination, but the obviously the Raiders uh, declined his extension. When I saw that, I said this is his I said it earlier in the year. This is his or in the offseason, this is his opportunity to go make that money, go earn that money. He's been consistent this year. Go back and look at some of the tackle numbers from the Raider from Raider games at the end of it. Jonathan Abram is high in a lot of those. I agree with you though. He hasn't moved that needle for me. I think he has earned himself another contract. Yeah. He won't be in Las Vegas next year. So that's just that's where I'm at. That's why when I mentioned the Nate Hobbs thing, I kind of sat with it and was like I think he. I think he's done well this year. I don't think he's done enough to warrant. I think the Raiders would be like, "Yo, yeah, yeah, you've done well. You did what we expected you to do." <laughs> like that's why we're not. Yeah, we're probably gonna go look to upgrade the position. Um, nevertheless, the Raiders are one in three. They're last in the AFC West. They're zero and two on the road. So if they can't get this one, granted it's Kansas City, but I think the bigger conversation is gonna be. When is this team going to be able to get it together on the road? Um, we, we talked all season long, at least baseball season long, about point differential, right? Does it matter at all that the Raiders are one and three, but their point differential is minus four? I'll say no because they're still one and three. Like, you still got their something. They're in it. They're in them. I don't know. Yeah. Unless you got like a blowout win, like you went 40 to three or something. Yeah, but I still look at that and go, you got to one and three somehow. And you started on three. Right. Uh, my dad's tipping for today. Do I have anything else for this? I don't. My dad's tipping for today. Sorry. My dad's tipping for today. And then we'll move on. Oh, in case you guys cared too, uh, you want to guess how many wins the Raiders have in the last 10 games against Kansas City? One. Two. I was about to say two. They are two and eight since 2017 against Kansas City. Kansas City owns... The record currently and the Raiders seventy facts seventy seventy to fifty four to two if you care about the two ties but seventy wins fifty four losses for Kansas City against the Raider franchise my dad's tip in it's about it's about my Packers uh score another score update you you all right I was about to say Kansas City is kind of similar to like Aaron with Chicago yep just kind of owns them yep what did I say earlier this year. I said, I think Chicago should win. Chicago got to show me they can beat Aaron Rodgers, so yeah. I'm going to pick Green Bay. <laughs> um, a score update, two score updates for you guys. Bottom of the second now in Toronto. We got a 3 nothing lead for Seattle. We talked about these little, these 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 slow-scoring games, right? Three. And Seattle's a lower seed. Three runs in the first. Now, keep in mind, too, they already have a, a, a tendency to shock people as the lower seed. Right, J-Rod? So, I don't know, man. Maybe this is just one of their vibes for this year. In the other game that we were speaking about, that 3-6 matchup over on the NL side, it is headed to the ninth inning. We finally got some runs on the board. Both runs on the board belong to St. Louis. St. Louis is headed to the ninth with a chance to close out game one and take a 1-0 series lead against the Pitts. Why do I keep saying that? Philly's going to get mad at you. 
Damn. You ain't going to be allowed in the, the And I've been talking about the Mets. They're going to be hot. Oh. <laughs> they going to be They're going to be like, bring Tia to Philadelphia. No, <laughs> friend, Bryson and Brianna going to look at me like, you good? You all right? You you fine? Um, No, but let's let's get back to football before yeah. I get in trouble. Um, My dad's tipping. He said it's on your guy, Aaron Rodgers. He said heading into Sunday's. I'm just sitting here, bro. I'm not doing anything. These moments where I look at Matt on the show, these are not rehearsed. Like, these are real moments that, like, I'm trying to conduct the show and he's doing stuff. Um, heading into Sunday's game in in London, pitting what looks to be a matchup in a running game with the league's leading rusher, the New York Giants, the 3-1 and New York Giants, Saquon Barkley, and the Packers combo of Aaron, excuse me, of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. The most interesting part of this game is what Aaron Rodgers said Friday to interviewers at the excuse me at the Packers media session. When asked if he would, when asked if he would like Coach Matt Lafleur to to turn him loose and let him air it out, Rodgers responded with a resounding "Hell yeah, of course." Rodgers then jokingly said, "Jokingly, right? Jokingly said that Lafleur was grumpy right now after the travel to London and that he would talk to him after he got some rest." Even joking when answering a question, we know Aaron has never bitten his tongue when it comes to the game plan. In the preseason, he openly challenged his young receiving core, and uncharacter- uncharacteristically, this has been the worst four-game start for Aaron, or in Aaron Rodgers' career since he became the starter in 2008. This season, Aaron's number are all Aaron's numbers, excuse me, are all at a career low: 43.1 in the QBR, his 6.2 air yard average, and his three and one record, and a three and one record that looks better. What? Oh, that looks better than the team has performed in Rodgers' eyes. That 3 one record looks better than the team that has performed in Rodgers' eyes. Got it. Uh, he even went on record <laughs> after last Sunday's overtime win in New England. He said that he didn't think that the ways that they are winning are sustainable. Regardless, when the head of the table speaks, everybody better listen. Pause. Um... Is Aaron Rodgers the head of the table? In the NFL, who's the first to go, the head coach or the, the quarterback? I'm all for it. <clears throat> However, to whom much is given, much is what? Received. Much is required as well. Required. Has Aaron been acting like the head of the table? Aaron would argue I haven't been as you mentioned earlier, turned loose. I can only call what LaFleur is calling. I'm not talking about on the field. Has Aaron been acting? Who's been a who's been a better franchise quarterback? And this is gonna sound crazy, but I do mean off the field in the last three years. Dak Prescott or Aaron Rodgers? Dak Prescott. Joe Burrow or Aaron Rodgers? Joe Burrow. Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers? Derek Carr. I don't know that Aaron Rodgers is the head of my table right now. You know the man that I feel a lot more confident in right now? And this is going to sound nuts. The guy that's off to the best start for any head coach through his first four years. I didn't want Matt LaFleur when he first came to Green Bay. I think everybody, including Aaron Rodgers, needs to put respect on Matt LaFleur's name. That's the head of the table. That's the one who I know that I can count on. 
Aaron, you could tell me whatever you want about on the field. Yeah, that's great. When you play, you play, right? Why is Devontae no longer here? Because he wasn't sure you were going to play, right? Regardless, when the head of the table speaks, everybody better listen. It's Sunday morning, Aaron Rodgers' breakout game. Is Matt going to let him show what show us what air uh, that 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 is Matt going to let him show us Aaron Rodgers? We will see very early Sunday morning what the decision will be. Word to the wise, Matt. The last guy that didn't let Aaron do his thing is on the Cowboy sideline now. I don't know. You think before cuts him after ten years? By the way, yeah. Um, it's the Giants, so I did think about it. You know what I mean? The Giants, I remember when the Giants a couple of years ago uh, came out with the NYPD, which is, by the way, I think one of the, I, I, I understand that the Legion of Boom is better. The team, the nickname NYPD is the best nickname I've heard for a defense. I've heard the Steel Curtain. I've, I don't care. The New York Pass defense is fire. This year? No, 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 no. Okay. The name. That was the year that um, Odell had the uh, Bowden trip before uh, the playoff game. That was Landon Collins' year. That was the NYPD, the New York pass defense. That was great. Aaron picked that secondary apart. I expect Aaron to pick this secondary apart. I don't think Aaron will pick this secondary apart because of everything my dad said in this. Do you think we get to a point in the year where Aaron is audibling out of called run plays in favor of pass plays? I hope. To where Aaron doesn't like a play call from LaFleur and says, not happening, we're doing this. I hope. Only reason why is because even though I did just say everything that I said about Matt LaFleur being the, the head of the table, I can't say what I said about Mike McCarthy years ago and say the exact same thing now. Does it make sense? I watched you hand the ball to Eddie Lacy on a draw play on a third and 11. And I watched you turn to the sideline and say, what the? F I'm at the house saying the same thing. Why didn't you audible out of it? Certain people. You know what's funny? Richard Sherman said that about Russell Wilson. He said Russell Wilson doesn't have that coof doesn't, to do that yet. That doesn't audible out. He doesn't have that yet. And first of all, he said yet. And it's, we're, we're in year, what, 12 of Russell's career? He's not going to have it then. He's not going to have that now. So not just like that, but. As crazy as we're talking about Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson has the same amount of rings as Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers has carte blanche to do what he wants. You can do this. You can you can break this. Um, you can break this. Uh, I hope this is handy. There we go. You can break this um, stretch. Let's say that you do think it's a stretch of bad calls being called. Audible out of it. How often do you know what's funny? Philip Rivers used to do it. Philip Rivers would audible out of it, and even if the play went right or wrong, he would come to the sideline, you would see various coaches look at him. Why? And Philip would go up to him because when you just you didn't see you didn't see the safety pull down. You didn't see Derek Carr is known to audible out a lot. Damn, Derek Carr gets down there, kill, kill, kill. Josh, this is this is you. We gonna we gonna we gonna dive it right up the middle. I'm not throwing this shit. Right. Bro, Aaron, if you're that genius, just audible out. The funny thing is, I love doing radio, TV, all of it, because it lives forever, right? Everything that I said about about uh, Pat Mahomes, everything I said about Pat Mahomes, don't make it harder on yourself. 
Aaron, you're going to be the one that ends up with one. Because you made it harder on yourself. Patrick Mahomes also another guy in the league known to audible out pretty frequently. And how many years he got under his belt? Not as many as Aaron. Bro. So back to my point. I trust my uh, Matt LaFleur. I think we should run the ball a lot. Do I think we should run the ball more than pass? Certain games, yeah. Why put the stress on Aaron? We don't have to. You got this two-headed monster for a reason. I don't think we're going to keep A.J. Dillon post when his contract is up. I think he's been great for us, but I think some team is going to come calling, and I think they're going to pay him handsomely. And we're going to lose him. This would be a good game for Aaron to get the chemistry down with the receiving core. It's a good game for that. Matt, I'm with you in terms of spirit, feeling, all of those different things. But you're right. It's going to be a running game. I just don't I just don't know if not to sound like that, but you gotta understand too risk and reward, right? Yeah. What happens if Aaron Rodgers goes out there and throws all over the Giants? Respectfully to the Giants, we're gonna look at the Giants and go, oh well, I mean they're the Giants. Like, so we so what? They're three and one, they started fresh, they they still may make the may make the postseason, whatever, but they played the Packers. They played a contender, they played a serious team, all these different things. What's the risk? If he goes out there and throws four picks against the Giants, I think if he's got two before the half, if you're Matt Lafleur, you have you have to make the adjustment then, because the the storyline can't be losing to the Giants overseas. That can't be the storyline going back to Green Bay. I guess we'll see. Uh, we're about to get out of here, but we only have two minutes left, and I know we typically don't talk preseason, so who cares? Um, only one more preseason game left for for the Knights before they. Turn up the volume, man. I'm excited about this year. I do. I, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm not that guy that's, oh, they're going to the ch- – or they're winning the title. They're going to the title. They're going to the ch- to the uh, to the conference finals. I'm not saying any of that. I think this team is going to be fun to watch. I think this team is going to have less drama-filled headlines. I think they're still going to dominate the headlines. I think they're going to have less drama-filled headlines, though. I think this team is going to be a feel-good story. The one line I can give to this team, they need to relearn how to win. That's their biggest objective in my eyes this year, is relearn how to win consistently. How do they do that? However they choose, however they see necessary, I'm going to put a blanket statement on if this team is going to do anything substantial this year, the first thing they're going to have to do is relearn how to win. You think they do it? I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a proponent or against Bruce Cassidy in any way. So, well, I mean, Bruce is going to just have to show us what he's got. Bruce is going to have to Bruce? going to have to. Oh, man. And we're done talking. So that means until next time, keep on talking, guys.